Hello, I'm Andrew Suskind, and I'm a psychotherapist and author based in West Los Angeles since 1992, specializing in trauma and addictions. Welcome to our podcast, which I call It's Not About the Sex, also the title of my recent book. Here we focus on all topics related to compulsive sexual behavior, often referred to as sex addiction. In particular, we explore ways to build long-term sustainable recovery while establishing more meaningful connection and greater intimacy. Our intention is to offer fresh viewpoints, brand new perspectives, and practical user-friendly tools toward living a more deeply connected life. Let's get started. Good afternoon, Sue. Good afternoon. But it could be good morning or good evening, depending on where our listeners are. So It actually could be any hour 24-7. This is true. Do you remember in the Truman Show, he would say, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. And here we are on the Truman Show. <laughs> Seems like it sometimes. <laughs> Although we do call this, it's not about the sex, which is a little different than the Truman Show, but life does sometimes feel like the Truman Show. But we're going to do something a little bit different today. We're going to be focusing on the topic of obsession. Obsession often shows up in romantic idealization, or what is sometimes referred to as love addiction. So can you talk a little bit more about this? Absolutely. So love addiction we've talked about in bits and pieces in other podcasts. And what is often misunderstood about love addiction is that it's not about love. It sounds like addicted to love, you know, kind of like, who was the person of the 80s that... Oh, it's Robert Palmer. Okay, which is like Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, if we go back to the 70s. But we're not going to go there. We're going to stay in t 2020. And we're going to talk about how love addiction and an obsession actually go together, right? Because love addiction is not really about love. If, if you think it's about love, you've got it all wrong. It's really about fantasy. And... Obsession is generally related to fantasy. So what, what I wanted to start off with is just to talk a little bit about the person who becomes obsessed, because oftentimes what happens is they start to think about the other person 24-7, night and day, which in some ways can be quite pleasurable. It can be a way to avoid things. It can be like a positive distraction. It actually can generate a lot of chemicals in the brain, but oftentimes it doesn't last and, and the pleasure eventually becomes painful. And so the person who's obsessed in an, on another person thinks that they will feel better by getting together with this other person or by getting something from this other person. But this is actually the myth. And, and that's what's so interesting is because I think many times the obsessed person is like in a bubble and the bubble is this belief that somehow they're going to feel better because of the other person. And that's really another way of looking at love, love addiction as well. And can there be time limits around this? Well, hopefully it's not a lifelong sentence because that could be really awful. But generally we're talking about various obsessive, time frames throughout 
our lifespan. So it's not that an obsessed person stays obsessed for the rest of their life, but usually it, it works its way through, it kind of makes its way through its cycle, and then it it ends and, and at some point down the road, another obsession shows up. So I have another question around that, but um, I'm also curious about how how is obsession actually an opportunity? Well, this is really the reason I, I put this podcast together because obsession sometimes gets a bad rap, right? A lot of people think of obsession as there being something wrong with you. But, but I want to look at it from a different lens. I want to look at it as something that can actually be an opportunity to learn and, and an opportunity for growth. And so ultimately, obsession can be a chance to learn about life, to learn about one's mind, and to learn about who, who you are, your identity. So really, obsession can be quite useful. There's, there's really nothing quite like it in life. It, it does recur from time to time. It's usually quite painful over time. But the thing about pain is that pain really grabs our attention. So so can I confess something right now? Please. <laughs> I feel safe here. So <laughs> It's I just have... the two of us. Okay. So. <laughs> so I have this obsession. I have two obsessions that I'm cognitive of a lot. And one of them is I'm obsessed with everything and anything that has to do with Mount Everest. I'm just I, anytime anyone mentions Mount Everest, I have to find out more and more and more and more and more about it. And the other thing is I'm obsessed about um, is this person who I don't really even know, but I've been privy to things he's put up on Instagram, and I'm just obsessed with everything he posts because it just it rings true with me. And I really have this feeling like I really need to meet this person because I just love his philosophy of life. So is there, it's, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that I think of the, about Mount Everest or this person day and night, but so what's like close to being obsessed and like having this almost trolling, I guess the word is nowadays behavior about these things that trigger things inside of us. Should I take those and look deeper into them or what do you think? Well, first of all, going back to Mount Everest for a moment, and I love the image of Mount Everest today because in in the life that we're in through in the pandemic, I, I'm I'm always imagining something bigger and more distant and and something that uh, is is really adventurous. And of course, I can't go to Mount Everest right now, but you took me there for a moment. And the way I see something of that nature is that that really verges on passion. Mm, you know, I think okay. knowing you for a long time, Sue, you have a lot of passion in you. And and when you get interested in something, sometimes you dive in head first and you're you're really immersed in trying to learn about it and, and get more information about it, etc. And so I, I really think there's a difference between getting obsessed with a location, for instance, mm -hmm. and getting romantic romantically or fantasy obsessed with someone which mm -hmm. is a different story okay so it's more of a passion thing i think so i so mean I how does that sound to you yeah no i think that feels that feels okay that feels all right 
Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm just, it's weird how it just takes over, it would take over hours of my day. Like, I'll just go down that, that hole of like, let me find out more about Mount Everest. Well, it's it's also an example of how we can get distracted and possibly be avoiding something that's going on inside of us, that that if there's something that truly pulls us to it like a magnet, what are we not dealing with mm-hmm. in our life? That's and, what and, I was thinking, yeah. Yeah, so that that's always something to, to consider. But the thing about the Instagram person is is such a great example because nowadays on social media anybody can promote themselves and project themselves however they want to whether it be through photographs or quotes or podcasts (laughs) or anything that that lets the the larger audience get to know them in terms of whatever they choose to to share so this is my my question to you. Do you feel like there's something in this particular person or personality that that you idealize and that you might even um, be interested in 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 a sense wanting something from them? Yeah, I want them to notice me. Uh, I really feel that like, oh my gosh, yeah, I feel like every post that he puts up is like, I actually did a whole week of podcasts, just quotes that he had sent me at some point, at one point. And it was just, it was so special to me, the things that he said. And I'm really like taking them in like, these are just for me. Um, so yeah, it's just an interesting uh, obsession. Like I do think of it every single day. Like I look forward to his next post and feel like it's the way that we're secretly communicating, even though he doesn't have any idea that I feel this way. Sure. Yeah. So that's a fantastic example where there's that desire, that wish, that fantasy that somehow you can get something from that idealized other person, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And and when it's not readily available, oftentimes it can leave us anxious or or in our deep longings, right? We can really get those longings stirred up, that feeling of wanting something that only they can fill, right? Right. And and so the fantasy is that only that person can fulfill these desires. And that's where again it's like in that obsession bubble, it it gets very narrow-minded and and oftentimes um a feeling of unless this person notices me or unless this person responds to me, then I'm I'm left in pain. Right, empty feeling. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So is it true that the obsessive person sometimes leans further toward the other person? Yeah, I mean, like we were just saying, um, there's this belief that gets formed that somehow happiness, like your happiness, your stability is based on what this other person does or doesn't do, right? Somehow, some people uh, might call that like giving your power away. Right, yeah. Right? And so as a result, the obsessed person becomes way off their usual center or off balance and often dysregulated, like feeling anxious, feeling shut down, feeling um, at times maybe edgy or 
or feeling disconnected. I mean, all kinds of things can happen when that target, that fantasy person is not responding and giving back the way that somehow you wish they would. Mm. So can you offer some suggestions to help someone, myself or someone (laughs) who's listening, um, establish a new way of relating to themselves and others? Absolutely. So what I wanted to add before I go into the specific suggestions is that what we're really talking about in terms of an inner experience, and this is really important to, to take note of, is there's really a feeling of not being enough, right? That somehow the other person is going to fill the hole. The other person is going to make things better. And, and that's, of course, a fantasy that somehow that person has the wherewithal the power. To, yeah, exactly yeah. to 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 make it everything okay. So so obsession is kind of like a feeling of of losing one's mind, right? Because literally the mind has gone into this other planet and um and and when the reciprocation when the response from the uh, the other person hasn't happened that's when it can get really scary it can get really depressing and it can feel really ungrounding and by the way when i talk about deeper longings like i was talking about a few minutes ago i'm really talking about like what it was like to be a baby and and to not get all of the emotional needs met and and that's really the origin of all of this is that there's this feeling of will i get my hug when i need my hug will i get my diaper change when i need my diaper change will i get the um the the most primitive needs are to feel seen heard understood valued and respected at a very at a minimum Mm -hmm. and and so i mean i don't want to get too much into attachment theory but we're really talking about attachment gaps where where as babies or small children we just didn't have all of those needs available to us for whatever reason i mean our parents did their best but there were gaps sometimes ruptures that left us feeling Like, are we ever going to get love the way we want to get loved? And that's where obsession really is born. Okay. So I wanted to add that before I go into specific suggestions um, around this. So I'm going to ask you a a question, Sue, because I think this Instagram guy is such a great example. So on on basic terms, what is it that, that you really want from this other person? Um. That's a difficult one because I don't really, I haven't really thought about that um, other than just being noticed, I guess. I guess that's what, a, a connection, I wanted a deeper connection. Yeah. So getting noticed and getting a deeper connection. So that, by the way, is not an easy question to answer. So you did great. And, and, and then once we identify what it is we want from this other person, that's when you can consider ways to bestow those things upon yourself. Right. So looking inside to say, well, was that missing? Yeah. And, and 
even being more specific, like if I want deeper connection and I'm looking at for that from the Instagram guy, what do I need to bring back to myself? What is it in my life that I can somehow uh, focus on that would bring deeper connection? Mm, nice. Okay. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that yet. No, this is homework. Yeah, don't worry yeah, yeah. about it. <laughs> we'll come back to that. <laughs> right, exactly. But I think what you're you're saying is really poignant because I think a lot of folks listening who have had various kinds of obsessions through the years, and we all have them at one time or another, don't always know exactly what they want. So it's a big question. What do I really want from the other person? Mm -hmm. And then how do I bestow it upon myself? That it's, would... it's great because it gives you something to actually ask the question about, right? So mm -hmm. it's perfect to have that to, as a lesson or something to learn from. So I like that. Absolutely. So another suggestion is this. How can you become more of a giver rather than a taker? And this might sound unusual, but I'll, I'll explain it in a moment. So instead of getting stuck in the wanting and the desiring and the longing from this obsessive um, situation, turning it upside down and saying, well, what do I have inside myself to give? Hmm. In the same vein? It actually can be in the same vein, but many times it, it's outside of that mm -hmm. area. So for okay. instance, um, you know, I, I sometimes will talk with clients about what it would mean to really cultivate their generosity of spirit. Because I, I have, I'm really blessed to have a practice full of people who have a lot of generosity of spirit. Sometimes it's a little dormant, though, mm -hmm. or a little hidden, or a little bit muted in some way or another. And so I talk about generosity of spirit and giving in, in the sense of when do you feel most generous? Mm -hmm. when, do you, when do you find yourself giving to others? And so for you, Sue, being a very, very generous person, um, who do you generally find yourself giving to? Or wh where do you see your giving outside of your professional self? Right. Um, well, I would say as a mom, first off, and the conversations I have with my kids um, are really deep and insightful, and I feel like I do help them a lot. And yeah, I feel like my voice is what I give, like my thoughts and my feelings and my love is really what I want to give mm -hmm. and that I try to. Yeah. Um, so that's what I need to focus on, I guess, a little more. Yeah. I mean, what I would add to thoughts, feelings, and love is, is your wisdom and your life experience. Because I'm getting so old. <laughs> we have so much wisdom now. <laughs> don't, don't tell. We're, we're very, very youthful here. So I know. Our 30s just, bam, so fast. <laughs> right. But, but, you know, knowing your kids, and I love when you bring your kids into the conversation because they're both 20-something young men and and very beautiful men in many ways um and they're on a steep learning curve mm -hmm. right we, we met in our 20s and we know how turbulent they can be <laughs> so yes yeah, sometimes i have to remind myself of that <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah um i know it's hard to believe that we met 
when we were younger than they are now. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, I think the the idea though is one of the healers of obsession is getting out of one's mind and and finding ways to um, not just getting out of one's head, but but finding ways into one's heart mm -hmm. and knowing that the heart doesn't belong to that other fantasy person, but really belongs to you. Nice. And I always come back to the prayer of St. Francis. Um, it's used at a lot of weddings, and it's really all about generosity. And so I'm just going to share it out loud because I think it's worth uh, oh, yeah. our folks listening this. to this. Yeah, it's a song too. Yeah, exactly. So it goes like this. Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love, for it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, it is in dying to self that we are born to eternal life. Mm. So I come back to this because it's really about putting others before ourselves. And, and what's in my mind powerful about this is that it's all cyclical. Mm -hmm. When yes. we bring more of ourselves to others, we receive you know, abundance in return. And again, the prayer of St. Francis is really about getting out of the obsessive mind not that, that they're talking about it here, but, but I think of it as how do we get out of the obsessive mind and into a heart space that's really working better for us. I love that connection. And I love this song. It always brings tears to my eyes because I think a lot of um, times this is sung at funerals as well as weddings, interesting enough. And um, it, was my, it is my dad's, like one of his favorite songs. Mm. So remember that. Beautiful. But yeah, there's, I love that secular motion that is so a part of our lives and who we are it's just nice to hear that for sure and and on a side note i i, I think we could use more of that at this time in history mm. yeah so the last suggestion that i came up with is actually something that was shared with me by a mentor who actually has a lot of different spiritual backgrounds, but this is more from a Buddhist background. And I, I, I really like this because it's really meant, again, to work with the obsessive mind and to come up with a daily practice where we can really focus on what I'm going to share with you now. And this is a five-step process. It's a practice that I've used in the past when I've had an obsessive kind of uh, loop that I was in. And because I have a, a meditation practice in the morning, I would start my meditation with this particular five-step process mm -hmm. just to kind of be a tone setter. So it goes like this. Visualize the other person as happy. So it's, it's visualizing the, 
fantasy person in in a happy place. So if we know them, to imagine them happy and in good well-being and all that. Then the next question, which is another challenging one sometimes, is what was my expectation of this person or this fantasy relationship? Right? That's a big one. What was my expectation of this person or, or relationship? Then this is another really powerful one. So locate the longing or the desire in myself that sets up this expectation. So if, for instance, I was feeling a loss, let's say I, I, I've had a lot of um, losses this year, various types, as many of us have, and the longing in me around the loss is often about wanting someone or something to make it better somehow for someone else to to heal that part of me and then this is really the biggest one it's to ask for the willingness to do whatever is necessary to bring about change in my attitude or in my attitudes so for instance if you have a connection with a power greater than yourself god higher power universal power it's it's asking that larger entity for the willingness to do whatever is necessary to bring about change in my attitude or attitudes and that's actually the it's a four-step process i'm not sure why but <laughs> i was like wondering what your secret fifth one was it's it's probably a secret because that's the, that's all there is, is four. <laughs> so I think we're all set with that. But did you have any thoughts or ideas about that particular practice? Because it really is a practice. Yeah, so um, the expectation is going to take some some thought, too. Because um, that's actually almost like putting it on paper, you know? Like, I didn't really ever think it through to um, what my expectation of this person was. I mean, I think I could probably come up with it pretty quickly, but um, it was the expectation of myself more than this person. Does that make sense? It could be. It could be. I think what you said before, though, was really right on. The idea of what you were looking for is deeper connection. So your expectation, we could say, is that somehow you would get deeper connection from this Instagram guy. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Even though it doesn't make rational sense. It doesn't, right. It's it's really the fantasy. And we're just kind of rolling with the fantasy and trying to be as non-judgmental and curious as possible. Well, I can't wait to practice this four-step process further. Thanks for sharing that. You know, it, it's interesting because... What I find is just by raising my awareness around that person, around that expectation, around you know my willingness to change my attitude, it something softens and it's it's little by little by little. It's not an overnight thing. Sometimes it can take several weeks of doing this every morning. But what we're really talking about is breaking out of the bubble getting more perspective, right? Bigger perspective and, and getting that kind of 
gorilla off our chest in a sense, right? To kind of say, okay, I, I get it. And that doesn't necessarily reduce all of the pain all at once, but it, it seems to somehow diminish the heaviness that's often associated with it. It's interesting because the other person is almost like an innocent bystander. Like they have no energy around this. They don't share energy with you. There's no connection or anything. And they have no idea that this is going on. I mean, someone could be obsessed with you or me and we wouldn't even know it. You know, it could go to that point where we absolutely have no idea that anybody's obsessed with anybody right? or anything. So it's interesting the first step to visualize that other person is happy. Um, so kind of going into their bubble and, and you know, almost okay, allowing them to be happy in their space and disconnecting that from your own. Yeah. And so it's almost like let them be free. Sure. That's a great way of putting it. And and it's also like just giving them your blessing, right? And saying, okay, this is where I end and you begin. And that's okay, even though I, I feel there's a magnet still here. You know, and that that's your example is more like the anonymous obsession you know in love addiction there's often obsessions where two people engage in the dance and it's actually a a full-blown um back and forth sharing yeah, yeah yeah where there's a lot of everything from um you know building fantasies about the future together to sexting to you know all kinds of things that that create kind of that intrigue and energy that sometimes goes into a, a fantasy obsessive relationship. And so obsession comes in lots of shapes and forms. And and if anything, I hope that our talk today would be an opportunity to, to just build a little bit of awareness around how obsession is human. We all get obsessed at one time or another, many times over the course of our lifetime. And, and that it is truly an opportunity to grow and a chance to look at ourselves and understand deeper longings and sometimes those gaps that started in in very early childhood. No, just one more thing. So the obsession compulsive behaviors, is that the point where you would want, I mean, I know building awareness is really important around obsession, but when would you have someone get help for themselves? At what point? Well, usually clients will make it into my office when the pain gets bad enough, right? There's an expression, being sick and tired of being sick and tired, right? I've been obsessed since I was a kid. I mean, I can relate to this just to answer this sidebar uh, part of this. So as a kid, I was really obsessed with Walt Disney and the wonderful world of Disney and the characters and the fantasy that went along with the beauty and the love and the the adventure that went along with what, what they were able to experience. The so fantasy of it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it was like the greatest, um, t- like took me so far away from what was going on at home at the time. Um, but I think what the difference is, and most people um, listening may know this, but obsession is actually a thought 
within our mind, right? Compulsion is a behavior that gets triggered usually by the obsession and then takes on an actual real um, um, kind of behavior. So for instance, let's say you're obsessed with someone, it could just be a fantasy, right? But then if you start uh, cyber stalking them or you start, um, you know, sexting them or, or whatever it is that, that becomes the behavior um, that, that can't stop, right? That's what we're talking about with compulsion is when you want to stop, but you can't, that kind of thing. And so that's where it, it usually, if it doesn't somehow, um, you know, get, get diminished in one way or the other, um, and get and it keeps on growing, keeps on expanding, and um, and and the pain just that gets so great that it really becomes unbearable. Uh, that's when folks literally will walk into my my office in tears, and and feeling super hopeless and sometimes suicidal and it's just so draining and exactly yeah. yeah. So yeah. Be, they come super aware of what they're doing. I mean, it's all on the conscious level. You know what you're doing. You're conscious of it. Yeah. And, and for instance, not all people go in this direction, but Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous has a lot of focus on obsessive relationships mm -hmm. and also on developing healthier romantic relationships. But people end up in, in SLAA because oftentimes their obsessions have just gotten so out of control, you know, and... Mm -hmm. and and that's where the suffering is just so great. Great. Well, it's good to know there's help out there and um, there's a lot of things to do inside our own heads and, and these steps are great. So can't wait to put them into practice. Well, I will be right here in case you need some coaching because I've been working on this stuff for many years Thanks. and it's been fun to talk with you today. Yeah, it's been great. Thanks, Andrew. All right, Sue. Take care. Thank you for listening today. As always, it was fantastic to share this time with my colleague and friend Sue Merlino and discussing this really vital topic of obsession that affects so many people affected by out-of-control sexual behavior and love addiction. Be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes or please share our podcast on Spotify. And if there are any topics that you're interested in hearing in the future, just let us know. I look forward to you joining us on future podcasts. And thanks again for being with us today. <laughs>